Welcome to the Love Journalism Show. I'm Darren Samuelson. You're about to listen to an exclusive bonus episode for subscribers. This is the second part of my interview with David Allen, the executive coach, management consultant, and author of Getting Things Done, a book and a method that's helped millions organize themselves to be smoother operators no matter what they do. Now to the interview. I have found uh, various points in my career. I'm in this period of I'm in the zone, uh, you know, that the natural inspiration and creativity is, is just happening and it's just kind of flowing out of my fingertips. I'm curious if you could help me understand what is happening in those moments. Why, why am I in the zone? How did I get there? Beats me. <laughs> I have no idea. You know, it's easier to get in your zone. See, a lot of people get in their zone and then fall out, don't know how, how they got in it and how to get back into it. I just discovered how you create the space so you can be in your zone. And if you fall out, how to get back into it. So I don't know what got you into it other than somehow you had a clear enough space to be willing to you know, find something that sort of turned you on and spun you up. By the way, most people get in their zone in a crisis because it, it, it eliminates all your choices. Hmm. I've found um, so all you need all so all you need as a journalist is a deadline <laughs> <laughs> that'll get you in your zone hmm. you, you talk about rest and the importance of stepping away I was just thinking of a couple of examples um, take a couple of weeks off from running and you go back out and you run again and, and I've often run a, a much faster time uh, after taking a week or two break um, very sure. interesting concept I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit no. I don't know much. I'm not an expert in that area, but I just have read a lot of people who are and who studied that. And they go, yeah, that's what happens. You're unconscious. There's a guy who wrote a great book uh, several years ago called Brain Chains, the chains around your brain. He's a, in Belgium. He's a psychologist, psychiatrist, studied all kinds of cognitive science studies and whatever. And his rant was really about the necessity for rest and relaxation because he identified that we actually have three brains. You have the forebrain which is your conscious thinking, making decisions, et cetera, et cetera. That was the, the, sort of the last thing to evolve. Then you have the limbic brain, which was the primary thing for survival, you know, eat, sleep, procreate, you know, and survive, you know, and you have those, those two things going on and those are going on all the time anyway. So the, the, the forebrain is usually your visionary thinking. The limbic brain is more like, okay, how do I get it done? You know, let me move toward meeting the deadline, et cetera. But then you have the archive brain because the day-to-day -day of our experience is so complex. Most people don't realize how many inputs we get on a day-to-day -day basis. We're having to make internal decisions about every email you get, every conversation you have, every idea you have about anything. That's a huge, huge inventory of stuff to give to your brain to then process. It just doesn't have time to process unless you stop the cognitive process. You stop the forebrain. Take a nap, go for a walk after 90 minutes, you know, take the dogs out, you know, and you better get seven to nine hours of sleep a night. Otherwise, the, the, uh, the, the archive brain doesn't have the ability to be able to then integrate all the different little pieces that it needs to, to be able to make sort of sense out of the day that was, you know, relatively speaking, nonsensical, <laughs> that you had to do the best you could with your, with your forebrain, mm -hmm. but it's still doesn't do anything like the other. 
Now, that's just science. I'm not the expert in that. I mean, uh, Theo Compagnoli, who wrote Brain Change, is the expert in that, at least his, in his research and what he's come up with. So, yes, so that ability to be able to then stop, let go, listen, but then make sure you take take advantage of what shows up when you have that clear and empty space. The world has changed so much, obviously, in the last couple of years with uh, the pandemic and people working from home, the hybrid work uh, era. I'm curious, how have your ideas uh, and your thoughts changed um, as the world has changed around us in terms of, uh, you know, what is productivity? What is a seven day work week or five day work week now? Nothing. Come on. Ask any good consultant, any good salesperson. There was no change for them during the pandemic. That's how they lived their life. Maybe even a lot of journalists. So, <laughs> so I have to work from home. I've been working from home for thirty years. <laughs> so what? Mm-hmm. So that what's changed is just the audience has expanded in terms of how many people need to manage themselves better because now they're not going to an office where they have the same kind of structure that they could trust. You know, could give them the focus. Mm-hmm. Now they have to create their own focus. That's a big change. Not didn't change the methodology. My method. Look, they're going to need when we fly to Jupiter. They're still going to need an end basket. They're still going to have to decide next actor. They're still going to have to capture stuff they notice when they walk around the ship. You know, come on. These principles are old as dirt, and the universal is dirt. You know, so there's nothing different about the methodology. What's different is, you know, yeah, a lot more people have to then be able to manage themselves well. And what's also changed with the digital technology is just speed and volume of input. We talked about that before, just how many things you have to then think about or deal with, assuming you're not in a crisis. What's one thing surprised you the most um, about your career? How long it takes people to get what I came up with. I mean, I, I, now I know Garen, you know, let me admit, I didn't find out all of this stuff all at once, little piece by piece. But once I found it out and shared it with anybody, they go, oh my God, that works. So if it really works, you can't, you can't punch a hole in it. I guarantee you, anybody listening to this right now that just gets a pen and paper and writes down the 10 things that are most on their mind right now and decides the next actions they need to take on any one of them to get, to get closure on it. It's going to change. Their, <laughs> you're going to feel a whole lot different and a whole lot better. Create a whole lot more space. So, what's been surprising is once people, you know, how long it takes people to change their habits about this methodology, mm. and that I'm not good at. I'm I'm too li- I I'm too impatient. Mm. I, it's like. Get it or don't get it. I wrote the book, guys. Look, there's the game manual. Play as much of the game as you want. I don't care. But now, by the way, you know, as we've scaled this stuff to global stuff where we have certified trainers now around the world and, and so forth doing this, yeah, that was a way to scale this. But I'm not an I'm not an instructional designer. I'm not a behaviorist. I'm not a I don't know how to get you to be to I don't know how to motivate you to do any of this. It just turns out people get motivated when they hear me or when they talk, hear this and they go, oh, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I kind of do that. Oh, yeah, that's really cool stuff. And then go do it. And they don't. Why? They're okay with what they're doing. They're not in enough pain yet. 
where is the most unusual place you found yourself uh, writing down a note? <laughs> what a good question. Hmm, most unusual place I found myself writing out a note. I've been in a lot of unusual places, but it's such a habit for me, Darren, writing down a note. It's just I do it wherever it happens. So I don't even need to, unusual places I've been in anywhere. Could be all kinds of places. Uh, it could be, um, by the way, if I'm in a sauna or going out for a jog or something, and I don't have some capture tool with me, I learned years ago that there's a there's actually I know this is kind of California woo woo stuff, but I learned how to get rid of something in my mind in my mind. I just imagine myself being back where I have a thought while I'm jogging or in the sauna or whatever. I go, ah, what a cool thought. What I do is right then I visualize myself back where I could write it down and see myself writing that thought down and going, aha, how cool is that? Add a little emotional spin to it. And then I forget about it. Because then 90% of the time, whenever I walk back into that environment, my brain says, I've seen this before. Ah, and it pulls back the associated thought that I had with that context. And so that's a way to remember it when you don't need to, don't have anything to write it down. I know that. But come on, that's the truth. That's how the brain works. It's very associational. So so it's it's possible to get stuff off your mind, in your mind, as long as you handle that stuff. I asked that question in the spirit of having pulled over uh, on the road many a time to uh, to jot something down or walking down the street. And I find myself sitting in the most unusual places. Sure. I know pad out scribbling away. Well, that's why it's, it's it's useful to have something that you see my little note taker wallet. And I know you've probably seen this or whatever in my videos and the, the people listening to this can't see it. But this is like this goes with the uh, it's a little notepad and a little pen and my bank cards and my tram cards and my, you know, and my critical plastic. And this goes in my back pocket of my jeans always, hmm. wherever I am, unless I'm in a sauna or it might get wet. You know? But otherwise, that's with me everywhere. And of course, you could use digital. You can record. You, you can call your own voicemail. You could just you know text yourself an email or whatever. All those are okay, as long as you don't you know lose what you. As long as you put it somewhere that you're going to see soon enough. Hmm. Your books are full of quotes about productivity, and I'm curious, uh, what's your favorite of, of the ones that uh, we find sprinkled throughout uh, your literature? <laughs> I don't know what pops into my head is Mark Twain, and, and I can't say it as well as he said it, but he said, you know, whenever I'm, whenever I'm sort of in control and, and, and organized, I tend to be frivolous. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my. That's one one of my favorites. You know. Um, oh God, I got hundreds. Hard hard to bring one to mind right now. All good. Um, we're gonna do a quick lightning round and a couple other questions. Uh, how important to you is Inbox Zero? How important to you is emptying your garbage? That's how important it is to me. And to people who uh, refuse to go to Inbox Zero, uh, it's just, uh, yeah, give me a, what's your, what, what do you say to people who, who look at you uh, like you're crazy, that it's uh, not their way of life? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad they're okay with garbage hanging around their life. 
what do you think of Slack? Uh, trying to get rid of email is a total hoax. <laughs> it's fine. I had to use it for a couple of projects. I was on with a couple of people that really used it. And it's like, fine. You just added another in-basket for yourself. So that's where you need to get really disciplined about which channels that you're working with and what are you willing to see what's in those channels and what are the protocols people using those channels are using. Hmm. Are they using it for chat? Are they using it for CC? Are they using it for here's something you need to be aware of and do? And those are often unclear, in which case all you're doing is just adding garbage to the stress inside of organizational communications. Hmm. So... Uh, we know we've worked with organizations that have gone, come up with very, very clear guidelines about when you're using sort of uh, email, when you're using text, when you're using the corporate sort of chat like, uh, like, like Slack would be, when you're using physical email or whatever. And they came up with very strict guidelines. And that's helped, that's helped, them, a, that's helped them a bunch. How about um, advice for forces that are, you know, beyond your control and you're trying to, you know, uh, live a more productive life. Um, but you know, the, the economy's constantly changing. Um, you know, especially in the world of journalism right now, we see layoffs left and right. Uh, you know, the, the ability to stay in this business of journalism is, is challenging. And I wonder what advice you might have, um, you know, when the forces beyond your control are, are, uh, are at play. Deal with it. Right. The whole idea of getting things done was actually, that's why my second book was called ready for anything. Are you ready to engage with whatever the new situation is? First of all, what can you change? What can't you change? The old adage, you know, you only complain about stuff that you want to have different. You're just not engaged with doing something about it or worry. So worry and complaining are some of the most unproductive and unhealthy things you can do. So, you know, I, you know, a lot of our mission as a company with my intellectual property is let's create a world where there are, where problems are perceived as projects. Hmm. You know, anything you consider a problem, what would be the desired outcome? What would be the solution? Great. What would you need to do next to move forward? Whether or not, you know, if there could be any progress made toward that solution, or at least to find out whether you could do something about it or not. Hmm. Make sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, given by the way, and that's not to make light of the fact that yes, there's a lot of challenges given all the changes that are going on. But what's new? Tell me when in the world that wasn't something happening. Did it feel different during the Trump era, by chance? Uh, in was your was was uh, was your job, and do you think the rest of the world job harder in an not era for, where not for me? I not for me. I left the U.S. <laughs> But, you know, I left it when even Obama was there. And, and, you know, what was just, it's more I just stopped reading headlines because it was just bizarre to see. And, you know, it's pretty much a global phenomena where sort of authoritarianism has just been on the rise for, as you know, many countries. And that's been going on as a reaction to the sort of freedom and the, the more liberal oriented kind of focus the world had after 1989. And all that's kind of understandable from a larger historical perspective. So he was, I figured he's just one of them. Hmm. You know, we'll see. It felt like there were more people running around with their heads cut off, though, in that era um, than 
you know, in the Obama era or the Bush era even. Uh, yeah, but come on, if you read back to history, that same was true with Andrew Jackson, the same was true with with uh, Lincoln, the same with, you know, <laughs> anybody who showed up that was, you know, who pro you know, proposed something different or backsliding or whatever, you know, just wound up with getting their own champions and then getting their own enemies. Mm. So, you know, in a larger perspective, all that's just part of the, was part of the game. But personally, like, <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So, you're a consumer of news. Um, the name of the show is the Love Journalism Show. Um, it's a question I ask everybody, and I'm curious, just on a scale of one to ten. 10 being the most in love with uh, journalism today and one being, you know, you're ready for a divorce. I'm wondering where you would put yourself um, in your views on sort of the state of, of journalism right now uh, in the world and why. Hmm. I don't know. Well, again, because a good close friend is Jim Fallows who's writing for, you know, your, 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 your network now, you know, I love that. And I love what he's done and what he's doing. I'm not a journalist. So, you know, I don't know, really know much about the field itself, um, but, you know, delighted and delighted to hear all the different spins about all the different journalistic uh, expressions out there. New York Times used to trust implicitly. No, I don't implicitly. Um, you know, uh, but I still, you know, read the headlines. I just want to make sure the world is, uh, is okay when I wake up in the morning. So I'll read that. I'll read The Guardian, which has a different perspective, which I like a lot. Uh, you know, I like its its coverage of things. And I read the Dutch news since I live here, kind of my adopted country, and hear what's kind of current with what that's going on. So I'm delighted all that's happening. I mean, come on. I, I, if that all stopped, I mean, given what's going on in Russia and giving a, in Iran and in Afghanistan and other places where they're just shutting down, you know, all of that, I go, oh, God, you know? So, I, <laughs> I to be honest, I, I have to say, I hate that. I think that's awful. Mm. And I think that's, you know, going to constrict their environment, going to constrict the world in some way. But again, from a larger global perspective, I say it's just a cycle, mm. you know, that we're going through. And the fact is that we can even all be aware of that now. How new is that? We were never aware of journalists that were being shot in in Sudan. We never aware we were never aware of all of this other stuff. So there's just been a huge uh, conflagration. Conflag I don't know what the word is. Yeah, huge expansion <laughs> of how much news, how how much data we've got about all this stuff that's going on out there. And I think all that's ultimately good news. So I think ultimately the world is not going to be able to then hold journalism back. You know, it's, uh, come on, I saw the facts. I, I saw what the fax machines did in 1989, you know, in Eastern Europe, you know, and it, it changed the world. The fact that they could get that information, they could get it from, from some source out there, you know, that was available. So hmm, I figure this, I don't know, it's probably some new version of that. And I think those versions are going on right now. So thank you, Darren. If, you, if you're involved in any of that, yay, good work. Keep going. Anybody else listening to this? Yay, come on, guys. Keep the channels open. And with real stuff. Mm.
when you wrote Getting Things Done, I mean, that was, uh, what, about 10 years before Facebook and, and Twitter kind of took over the world. Um, we were not able to sort of see instantly video from Sudan or, or Japan or another part of the world as fast as we can today. It's it's amazing how, how quickly uh, things are changing. Yeah. Indeed. David, um, one last one for you, uh, or another question for you. Uh, how much interaction do you usually get from journalists? Um, I know you, you mentioned da uh, James Fallows. Um, as I said, this was on the curriculum at the University of Missouri Journalism School for for journalists who are just starting out. In that was that was that was news to me, by the way. Had no idea. Have mm -hmm. no idea how who many who's picked this stuff up and where it's going out there. So I was thrilled to know that. I mean, you, you know, I love St. Louis. I spent a lot of time there working with McDonnell Douglas while it was still McDonnell Douglas. Almost lived at the Airport Marriott in St. Louis. So. You know, I knew that area and, you know, the, the, on the hill, the Italian food was the best. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Toasted ravioli. Yeah. Yay. No kidding. Do you, do you get so, much interaction from, from reporters and journalists and editors out there who, who find your work? And only, you know, come, I'm doing one to two podcasts a week like this. Mm -hmm. Still have. I've done over 2000 already since the, the book was published. So, you know, somehow I think, well, maybe at some point the world will just dry up with Everybody will have found out my stuff and then shut up. They don't. They keep coming out, crawling out from under the rocks. So I get journalists from all over the time, all, all over the place, all over the world now that our stuff is sort of spreading internationally. So, you know, yay. David Allen, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Uh, really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the Love Journalism Show. Uh, you're welcome, Darren. Thanks. It was fun.